It's time for the January 27th, 2023 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting on Thomas Crapper Day from the <laughs> University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always... Mm-hmm. Eminem's next celebrity spokesperson, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> Good morning, Mahler. Yes, same to you. It's a pretty nice day. It the is. winds have stopped here in yes. Southern California. Right. It's sunny. Very nice. It's about 45, I would imagine, degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Today we'll be talking about duckweed, hemostatic microneedles, a melting liquid robot, your rectum, and um, a lot of other fascinating things. But first, do you consider yourself hairy? No. You, you consider yourself not hairy? Without getting into too much detail, uh-huh. I am practically hairless. Well, I can see hair from here. Well, hair on top of my head. Yeah, yes. I, I see that. Yeah. There's some... The eyebrows, you got that. I got eyebrows. Yeah. yeah. I got eyebrows. That's good. Yeah. You know, people, as they get older, they lose their eyebrows. So I hear. Hmm. Uh, just like a lot of things, they can't find them. <laughs> They misplaced their eyebrows. From eLife Journal, humans still have the genes for a full coat of body hair. We have the genes. Yeah, they're still there. They're still there. In our DNA, we could still generate a full coat of body hair. Research reveals these genes are not gone, but muted. Wow. Are you hoping to have hair? Is that what you're doing? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. One of the few things. In life. Yeah, you know, I used to think it would be really cool to grow a beard because I'm also kind of a hairless freak. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know, you cut yourself shaving all the time. You got this big rough beard. Yeah. What's that about? Well, I wanted to grow one once just to see what it looked like. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even think I would look good in it. you get your food stuck in yeah, it? Yeah, there's all. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I know that's not to disparage beards. Yeah. There are fine looking beards out there. Yeah. I don't know. I've saved on a lot of razor blades over the years. (laughs) Anyway, this study may pave the way for treating genetic conditions from cancer to baldness. Wow. Yeah. I think the cancer one is rating higher (laughs) to me than the baldness baldness part. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, what they say, treating baldness. Some people shave their heads. That's how they treat their baldness. (laughs) A new study compared our genetic blueprints with 62 other mammals, including elephants, manatees, and armadillos, examining how hairlessness evolved in different species at different times. The work also identified new genes and gene regulators linked to body hair, a discovery that may someday be used to treat millions of balding Americans. (laughs) There is a God. I don't know. (laughs) You don't want to be prematurely bald. That can be a little bit disconcerting. But then you just shave your head these days, and you look kind of distinguished, I think. The technique of comparing changes in the genetic codes of different animals may lead to answers to questions like, what genes develop to protect naked mole rats from cancer? And can they be manipulated in humans to treat or prevent the disease? It's amazing. That's good. Or... Why genetic changes have allowed bowhead whales to live for up to 200 years. And can we get in on some of that action? I don't know, though. Yeah. Would you turn into a bowheaded whale if you, if you had <laughs> if, that gene? If you could live, 
200 years would yeah. be okay if you turned into a bow-headed whale. Bow yeah. whale. I don't know. You know, when they mapped the human genome, when they figured out all of the permutations of our of uh-huh. that, that was, I think, what opened the door for so much of what you're yeah. yeah, and that's what this one researcher said. I have to say, this kind of stuff is incredibly cool. We're looking at 75 million years of evolution. The fact that you can look at the molecular pathways that are influencing a trait like body hair is mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're tracing it back millions of years. So you don't have any hair, huh? Let me give you one example of why I say that. Okay. I have a, a supposedly sold as a disposable razor. It's yeah. it, I have the the base of it is yeah. you know solid. I I keep that, yeah. and you put these, you replace them every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've had the same one for three years. Three years. Yeah. Wow. Three years. That's a, yeah. Same blade. Same blade. Three years. Yes. Huh. I only grow Maybe hair on one that's little... That's why you're always <laughs> bleeding from your face. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I don't have to lean into it a little bit now, but... Yeah. Say, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, say, 10 being the best of all time, yeah. how would you rate your sense of smell? I would say it's, it's probably, on a scale of 1 to 10... It's probably about a four or f- maybe five. So you're not really. I, in I, the might, upper I wish echelons. I had better sense of smell. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't have a great sense of smell. How do you know that? Well, I know that because I told you this before, and I can't prove it. But back in uh, February of 2020, I believe I contracted some version of COVID, some some version of it, and I completely lost my sense of smell. That and that was one of the symptoms at yeah. the time. And I don't think I ever fully recovered from that. I think. Oh, now you have. But did you ever have a, a better? It was better. Really? And maybe it's aging. That's maybe part of why I'm losing. I've lost uh, some of my sense of smell. How about yourself? Are you? Okay, you've got a. I wish it was better. Yeah, me too. But me sometimes too. I think it's quite nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes you're yeah. going, "Wow, this the the world lit up right now." I remember something from 60 years ago. Yes. That is about smell. Uh, yeah, it brings I, back memories. Or Mahler, on the other hand, very good sense of smell. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> think a little too good. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Mahler? Yeah. Mahler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's plus and minuses. That's for sure. From Smithsonian Magazine, ants. We're talking about ants here. Mm-hmm. Ants have such a refined sense of smell that researchers are now training them to detect the scent of human cancer cells. Ants. Wow. Ants smell using their antennae. That's more than one antenna. Mm-hmm. Antennae, which are covered in chemical receptors and are far more sensitive to scents than our noses are sensitive to scents. Stretching out their pair of thin antennae atop their heads, ants detect and deploy chemical cues to do everything. Find food, swamp prey, spot colony mates, protect young. The way we diagnose cancer today by drawing blood, taking biopsies, and conducting colonoscopies is often expensive and invasive. Tell me about it. Animal behaviorists are imagining a world in which doctors one day tap species with keen senses to help spot tumors quickly and cheaply. Ants, in your doctor's office. If ants are ever used in cancer screening, don't worry. They will not need to crawl on you. They will not send an army of ants up your anus. <laughs> there will be no direct contact between ants and patients. I just want to be assured this ant technology moves forward. Yeah. 
and people aren't saying <laughs> freaking out when they yeah, see yeah. like QAnon gets hold of it and <laughs> imagine some every sort doctor's of, office has an ant farm yeah yeah and they're going to kill us all so even if people are afraid of being swarmed by ants it's fine the ants just need a small sample they can be in another room wow. it's not a big deal here that's amazing yeah i think so remember the story you read about the uh, the dogs that they they posted at like events and they could smell covid yeah COVID like a, dogs. like a 90 something percentile yeah. accuracy yeah doggies are simply fantastic they are yeah <laughs> If you feel like you're crawling with ants, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to calm you down? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. We're talking about Mahler. Yeah. Would you like these dog bots? You know, these robot dogs? The they six. don't have heads, usually. Dog bots. Dog bots. Let's just go four legs. Yeah, just go they with They usually that. don't have a head. Yeah. And they walk kind of awkwardly, it looks like. Mm -hmm. But apparently, they, they look a little bit frightening, too. Oh, yeah. And I believe they've been on episodes of Elementary and other older TV shows. So these dog bots have been around for a while. But you just don't see them out in public very much. Right. Yeah. I think... The first time I see one, it's going to be a freaky experience. Yeah. yeah. It might be soon. From Ars Technica, researchers at the University of Texas at Austin recently received expanded funding from the National Science Foundation to continue their work studying human-robot interactions. To do this, the team plans to release four-legged robots, or dog bots, around the university campus this year and collect data on what it finds. The research team will set up a dog bot network and community members, students and staff will be able to use an app on their smartphones to have the dog bots deliver goods like hand wipes and sanitizer. It seems like they could get the dog bots to do something better than that. Yeah. I think my first reaction, just imagining it, mm -hmm. walking out of here at KUCI, walking to my car yeah. and seeing a dog bot, my first reaction would be fight or flight. I think I would want to figure out how I could destroy it if I needed to. Uh -huh. I think that's what... Or you could just ask it for some hand wipes. <laughs> you could. Yeah. But I uh -huh. think the idea of it just is something that is a little bit terrifying. Yeah. What about you, Mahler? Well, he's going to be in there with him, and he's yeah, going to be giving him pointers. Yeah, I don't know. It might turn into an ugly yeah, affair. Yeah, I don't think we want that. While deployed, the dog bots will inevitably run into and possibly literally run into pedestrians, cyclists, scooter riders, and larger vehicles. Mm. That's what they're saying in this article. Yeah. I mean, they're looking at the worst part of this, but I guess you got to. You're going to have these dog bots running around. Who knows? You're driving down the street and one of them isn't paying attention. Yeah. And runs into it's your like, car. It's like a, well, it's like a self-driving car, right? It's going to be one of those. It's a learning yeah. experience. I mean, my impulse would be to try and flip it over, but I think they can flip Tip it over yeah. like a cow. Yeah, I think. But I think they can flip themselves back over. I, I've seen them do that huh. in those little training videos. they put. How out. about lassoing its hind leg? There you go. Now, would that be a cruelty to a dog bot if you did something like that? I don't know. But another interesting facet of this yeah. is what kind of sympathy is developed for these dog bots. Yeah. Because inevitably, I think people will be malicious with the dog bots. Oh, yeah. 
There'll oh, be cases sure. where they took a dog bot to the top of a building and let it run off or something like yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. And then how many people are going to go, oh, yeah. a little dog bot. Dog bot. Yeah. Well, especially the people who were down on the ground of that building and didn't see the dog bot coming. That could be a problem. Well, they would say, ouch. Yeah. They wouldn't say, say oh. Yeah. yeah. The researchers will study the interactions between these humans and machines and create a new research database on how we can deploy autonomous robots in human environments. Okay. Fair enough. They're coming. I guess now is the time to beat them back, if you want to. From Scientific American, scientists have figured out how to coax copious amounts of oil from duckweed. I never even knew duckweed existed. First time I ever heard about yeah, it. Duckweed. Duckweed. One of nature's fastest growing aquatic plants. For a new study, researchers genetically engineered duckweed plants to produce seven times more oil per acre than soybeans currently the most commonly used biodiesel-producing plant. Seven times more with this duckweed stuff. That's amazing. Unlike fossil fuels, which take hundreds of millions of years to form, biofuels can be made faster than they are used, of course, because we just put a seed in the ground. And they have a lower carbon footprint than fossil fuels do, depending on how they're sourced. There's the big caveat right there, yeah. depending on how they're sourced. But there's been a backlash against these biofuels recently. This is partly because so many crops now go into energy production rather than food. Biofuels take up more than 100 million acres of the world's agricultural land. This is nuts. Corn yeah. is be, would be a big one, right? Yeah. But duckweed, common on every continent, but Antarctica is among the world's most productive plants per acre, and the researchers suggest it could be a game-changing renewable energy source because it grows readily in water. So it wouldn't compete with food crops for prime agricultural land. Well, you have to find somewhere with water, though. Yes. Yeah, that could be an increasingly more challenging enterprise. And duckweed can thrive in agricultural pollution. I like this idea. You could have a pig and poultry farm with a lot of agricultural pollution in it, and yet the duckweed likes it. Yeah. It thrives in it, potentially cleaning up some of the nitrogen and phosphorus these farms release into the water. This is a good idea. On, on the surface of it, sounds great. I'm in favor of anything that gets us away from fossil fuels. That's good. However, we have the ability to generate electricity power for all of us in things that we don't have to grow or manage or anything else, including solar, wind, geothermal. There are all kinds of other ways in which we could do it that are decentralized to a powerful enterprise that will control so much of our ability to get power. So I, I think it's great, but yeah. I still think the best way forward is decentralized power. Yeah. From Cosmos magazine, chemical and biomedical engineers have designed a new type of bandage that can stop uncontrolled bleeding from a traumatic injury almost immediately. Amazing. The prototype pad uses hemostatic microneedle technology, biocompatible and biodegradable microneedle arrays that increase its surface contact with blood to accelerate the clotting process. It just gets in there and has more surface area. With hemorrhaging injuries, it's often the loss of blood, not the injury itself, that causes death. There's an unmet medical need for ready-to-use biomaterials that promote rapid blood coagulation. Wow. 
And this fills that need. The patch's adhesiveness is enhanced through the interlocking between the micro needles and the tissue, which also promotes wound closure. In vitro, in the test tube, the micro needle arrays reduced clotting time from 11.5 minutes to 1.3 minutes. (laughs) And in a rat liver bleeding model, that sounds like an odd model. What are we, which agency you call for your rat liver bleeding models? <laughs> anyway, in this bleeding liver of a rat model, <laughs> they reduced bleeding by more than 90%. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. That's something you want in a trauma ward, I believe. Oh, yeah. The scope and depth of scientific discovery and innovation right now is really remarkable. And I would assume in human history, there's been nothing like it. Really, it's just incredible, the depth and breadth of what they're going to be able to do in the near future that we talk about every week is is stunning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org on Facebook at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Yeah, my... What you doing? Uh, Goofing around. From the Hill. This is what they're saying on the Hill. Okay. The Biden administration announced that it's banning logging and road building on about 9 million acres of the Tungus National Forest in southeast Alaska, aiming to settle a two-decade battle over the fate of North America's largest temperate rainforest. Yay! Yeah, it's a good deal. The new rule reinstates protections in the pristine Alaskan backcountry first imposed in 2001, but stripped away by that crack Trump in 2020. Yeah, I remember this. I remember yeah. when it happened. Why would you do something? I, I know, mean, I know. It's, it's money. It's about mining rights and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But here's what the effort protects. Cedar, hemlock, and Sitka spruce trees, many of them more than 800 years old, that provide essential habitats for 400 species of wildlife, including bald eagles, salmon, and the world's greatest concentration of black bears. The Sitka spruce trees also play an essential role in fighting climate change. They store more than 10% of the carbon accumulated by all national forests in the United States. In addition to prohibiting road construction, a first step toward new logging, the United States Forest Service plans also to put an end to large-scale logging of old-growth timber across the forest's entire 16 million acres. So we're talking climate change. We are. We're talking a lot of natural resources here, and you need space for that. You don't warehouse these things. Right. And that's something I imagine that uh, the uh, orange maggot that used to be president didn't understand. I don't think he wanted to. He's purely transactional. That's all he's about. I want to know how much of this is irreversible in the sense that it seems like there is this back and forth that Republican administration comes in and they start selling off mining rights all over the place. They do all this kind of stuff that Trump did. And then the Democrats get in and they start saying, no, we're not going to do that anymore. I don't know what that to and fro is. I don't know if, if by doing this, Biden has locked this in. We don't have to think about it at least anytime soon. There's all sorts of ways to withdraw it again. It could be a battle into the future, but at least we're moving in the right direction now. From Cal Matters, 
A CalMatters investigation found that environmentally stringent California sends nearly half its toxic waste across its borders. Since 2010, nearly half of California's hazardous waste has left the state, nearly half. Some of this estimated 10 million tons has gone to specialized facilities, but California government agencies and businesses have also transported much of it over the border to states with weaker environmental regulations and dumped it at regular municipal waste landfills. That's not something I want to hear about. Very disappointing because, yeah, yeah, I want to give California governance credit for so many issues. They're doing the right thing. Think about the last Gavin administration over the last few years. It does feel like we are consistently doing the things that needed to be done a long time ago. We're doing them now. So this is a disappointing story, if it's true. The Gavin administration? Yeah. Like the Joe administration? Well, I'm just saying. I didn't like the Donald administration, (laughs) obviously. The Gavin Newsom administration. (laughs) That was a little personal, wasn't it? I just think we have been doing a good job. And and it's not a coincidence for people who, who are paying attention that this has been a solidly democratic state across all of the legislative platforms. Yeah. And we're doing the right things on on balance. Certainly feels that way. It has to do with the policies. I don't care about Democrat, Republican. Right. I care about if they have good policies. Yes, exactly. If if the Republicans would take this to task and say we should be not shipping our waste away, we should deal with it here somehow. Yeah. Exactly right. I'd be, I'd be behind him 100%. Absolutely. Take it, take that, and say, yes, exactly. Yeah. We can do better. Two of the most heavily used dumps are near Native American reservations, including a landfill with a spotty environmental record. While there is nothing illegal about this, it raises troubling questions for the state. Yeah, there you go. From Business Insider, Iowa Republicans are proposing sweeping changes to the state's food assistance program, including banning beneficiaries of buying grocery staples like meat, American cheese, and flour. The bill co-sponsored by 39 Republican state legislators would limit those getting supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits, that's the SNAP program, to buying foods from a separate program intended for pregnant women and children. So it's wants them to use the uh, separate program intended for women and children, and they're just going to wipe out the food sources from the SNAP program. I'd miss the first part. Is this federal or this is This is Iowa. Iowa. SNAP recipients wouldn't be able to buy a variety of foods, including white grain bread, buns with added nuts or seeds. I guess they could only buy buns. White rice, pasta sauce, canned fruits or soups, baked beans, cheese slices, butter or flour. Those are kind of basic things that you would think they would have in a food assistance Plus, program. those are the kind of things you put into a low-cost meal. Exactly. Right? A spaghetti, it's a very easy thing to cook and be nutritionally beneficial. They would instead be limited to foods approved for women, infants, and children, the WIC program, which is much more restrictive than those allowed in SNAP. That's because WIC is designed to complement SNAP, not replace it. It just sounds like they're off out to uh, cut programs. And yeah. that's, they don't care what the program does. Yeah. They're just out to cut money. The proposed changes would put an additional burden on people who are food insecure and are part of an ongoing push by state legislators to cut back on benefits. From live science, scientists invented a tiny melting liquid robot that can melt 
escape from a prison by sliding through secure bars and then reform itself into a solid and complete task. That's just almost unfathomable yeah. to me. I, I don't even, I can't, I can't imagine how that would happen. <laughs> the metal robot made out of a liquid metal microparticles that can be steered and reshaped by external magnetic fields have been widely compared to T-1000. That's the character in The Terminator. Yeah. But instead of thinking about T-1000, what you got here is liquid metal yeah. that can be controlled by magnetic fields. Now, this material can achieve Terminator 2-like performance, they were saying, yeah. including fast movement and heavy load-bearing when it is in a solid state and shape changing in its liquid shape. The co-author said, potentially this material system can be used for applications in flexible electronics, healthcare, and robotics. So here's how it works. By blasting the robot with magnetic fields at alternating currents, scientists increase its temperature to 95 degrees Fahrenheit. That's all the higher it needs to go. And at that point, it will morph from a solid into a liquid state in one minute and 20 seconds. Once transformed into liquid metal, the figurine can be steered through the narrow gaps of its locked cage by other magnets. And then another shot of the magnet, and it become solid again. It's the first time a material capable of both shifting shape and carrying heavy loads has been identified for use in micro-robots. There's been a lot of research on how things that were back in, you know, the 16 and 1700s that were considered to be magic yes. eventually became real. Real. Things like the telephone, things like a lot of things that were imagined and then they became real. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if some of the people who worked on this didn't see Terminator 2 when they were kids and said, that's so cool, and eventually became sort of interested in how that might work. I like to think that people don't need movies to be imaginative. Well, you're right. but, but In so- fact, I think that movies often get their ideas from people. Yeah. Well, that's it's how they came know. into existence. Yeah, yeah exactly. But- yeah. From Wired Magazine. Last week, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration gave grants for its Innovative Advanced Concepts Program to 14 teams exploring far-out ideas. <laughs> far-out far out ideas, yeah. Mahler. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there it goes. Good boy. Yeah, go get it. <laughs> there it goes. Yeah, go get your fanciful ideas. Far-out ideas. Many of them won't pan out, these far-out ideas, but some may be the lunar oxygen pipeline Mm -hmm. or the space telescope mirror that's actually built in space could become game changers. That's the second time I've used game changers in it. I'm reading other people's words. I hate that word, (laughs) game changers. We're not in a game. (laughs) This is real. Yeah. It's like it's all sports anymore, huh? Yeah. A liquid telescope mirror would be more powerful than current telescope mirrors, which are vulnerable to impacts by micrometeoroids and shaking during the launch. Mm-hmm. The diameter of a mirror determines how far a telescope can resolve an object in deep space, but today that's limited by the size of the launch rocket. With a fluidic telescope, you need only launch the frame structure, like an umbrella-shaped satellite dish and a tank of mirror liquid like gallium alloys or ionic liquids. When in orbit, the liquid would be injected into the frame. In space, droplets stick together because of surface tension and the force of Earth's gravity doesn't get in the way and distort their shape. Wow. 
This would result in an incredibly smooth mirror without the need for mechanical processes like grinding and polishing, which are used in traditional glass mirrors. Another grant winner is a lunar oxygen pipeline that could deliver much needed oxygen to astronauts on a future lunar base. You need oxygen. Now, explain further, Nathan. Ferrying tanks of oxygen to space is problematic. Yes. You don't want to... No, you don't want to run out. Take all your load of oxygen up on the uh, rocket itself. It adds a lot of space and poundage. Making the gas on the moon could be a better option. Oxygen is available as a byproduct of mining for water ice using a process called electrolysis. However, there's a logistics problem. A moon mining operation might not be right next to the camp. A lunar oxygen pipeline would allow an oxygen flow rate of 2 kilograms per hour, which would be enough. It could get astronauts by up there on the moon. And that's why they're having the first lunar base in the south part of the moon. Which we talked about last week. There's a lot of things to mine down there, including water ice. Water ice. There you go. Can any country declare it to be a territory or of its own country? Could we declare the moon. Well, I mean, it's, it's the flag thing, you know. Yeah. I don't know what the jurisdictions are at this point. Because I know the Russians well, have been trying... everybody has their own The Russians have been trying to claim the North Pole for, for a while now. Yeah, They've yeah. been putting in bases and things. It's yours if you want it, I suppose. Okay. You know, but it isn't. It's, yeah, but it's it just isn't. a lot of words. It's like they're trying to figure out what time it is on the moon. Okay. They are. They're trying to come up with a a time for the moon so we know what we're doing and can coordinate. And they make it sound, when you read stories about this, like there is a time on the moon. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Can we discover the time on the moon? Well, this is a process. And it will probably have a lot to do with how business goes on the moon. It's pretty much how it got started here and how it can coordinate with time on Earth. Whoever has the biggest uh, launch pad (laughs) will get to determine what the time is on the moon. Yeah, there you go. From Huffington Post, uh, a Texas Republican wants to make foods containing material from aborted human fetuses clearly and conspicuously labeled, (laughs) even though such products do not exist. (laughs) The proposed law authored by State Senator Bob Hall says food and medicine would have to be labeled if it contained or was manufactured with human fetal tissue or if it was the product of research that used such tissue, even though such products do not exist. The Food and Drug Administration does not allow the sale of foods containing human tissue. In fact, there are no conditions under which the FDA would consider human fetal tissue to be safe or legal for human or animal consumption, they said. Unfortunately, many Texans are unknowingly consuming products that either contain human fetal parts or were developed using human fetal parts, Hall stated. While some may not be bothered by this, there are many Texans with religious or moral beliefs that would oppose consumption or use of these products, even though such products do not exist. What was this asshat's name again? Bob Hall. Bob Hall. How about this for a label? This product was not put together by that asshat Bob, Bob Hall from yeah. Texas. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Or how about just a label on Bob Hall? 
Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I've got to take care of things. Just. <laughs> it's too bad, but it just seems like we have a whole political party that thinks this way. Yeah. They're not listening. They're only saying what they want to be true so they can get people afraid or get people behind them or play on their own fears. Yeah. This is an era where I don't know what the facts are, but I believe it to be true. I think uh-huh. there's a lot to that. I think, yeah, I think yeah. this comes out of a mentality that if you're willing to suspend your rationality to believe in a lot of things that are religious, that it's not a huge leap to, to make into yeah. the realm of the political and the social and the rest of it and say, I don't know it to be true. I just believe it to mm-hmm. be true. And I, No I one's going to tell me what to believe. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's no, crazy. we're going to tell you what to believe. We're going to tell you what the facts are. Yeah, and if you're just, so stupid not to at least incorporate some element of those facts into your beliefs, then, well, yeah, yeah. from The Guardian, there's a new dangerous oversized SUV on America's roads. It's called the Resvani Vengeance. <laughs> A vengeance. Anybody that's, thinks that that's a good idea for a, a product, there's yeah. something in, that's inherently crazy about that. Well, right, its right competitors there. offer heated seats and optional roof racks. The vengeance has bulletproof glass, blinding strobe lights, electrified door handles, and wing mirrors that can shoot pepper spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, vengeance is yours says the website. You go to the Vengeance website. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which details, the website does, it details how the car can release a dense smoke screen to confuse people following you. Well, it confuses everyone, really. <laughs> so... It's not just the people following you. Just let, add a bit of paranoia in there. People following you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You're, you're driving off to the pavilions and you just let go of just yeah, a whole bunch because of... Because you know someone's following you. I know somebody's yeah. behind yeah. me. <laughs> it also um, has, uh, can detect, this vengeance can detect electromagnetic <laughs> pulses from nuclear weapons. Oh my God. Just in case you're out for a drive uh, and, you know, someone blows up a bomb, a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Uh, my God, I'm good. You know what? The, the depressing thing is, I'm sure I'm going to see a couple of them on the coast highway fairly yeah. soon. Price from two hundred and eighty-five thousand yep. dollars to yep. four hundred and ninety-nine thousand uh, dollars with all the extras. Jesus, the Vengeance is the latest piece of crap to emerge from <laughs> Irvine, California-based Resvani Motors. Okay, there you go. There you Irvine, go. just down the street from us. The Vengeance. <laughs> the Vengeance. A viral TikTok video made by a family car reviewer at... Shouldn't even say that name. Should bleep it out. Do. Shows a mom regaling her followers with the delights of the pepper spray mirrors. My favorite, she says, while showing off the bulletproof vests, helmets, and gas masks that come with the SUV. Just throw those in, you know. Is the Rizvani Vengeance the safest vehicle for you and your kiddos, or what? <laughs> well, I guess they want attention. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm struggling to process this right now, so thank you. From my that. London News, a new poll found that only 55% of British citizens can confidently state where their rectum is located <laughs> on a diagram of the human body, and half don't know where their reproductive organs are. 
Results revealed people living in the northeast of England were the poorest at locating their rectum, with just 42% knowing where the final portion of their large intestine is. Londoners weren't much wiser either, with only 49% able to locate their rectum. People in the southwest of England and Wales were best at finding their rectum with 64% confidence they knew their way. <laughs> Just over half of those polled, 52%, knew where their reproductive organs were. Wow. Overall, 63% could locate their heart and brain, 50% could locate their kidneys, and 38% their appendix. You're looking at a chart of the human body, and I can see getting confused yeah. when it comes to some of, you know, they might have said, where's your prostate? Somebody yeah. points to their one of their, a kidney or something. And, yeah, I get and, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but but your heart and brain—that's no. the one that gets me. Yeah, brain's kind of a big organ. There, you just point to the top of your head and yeah. you get it right. And yet, sixty-three percent could locate it. Yeah, that means there's a it's... good percentage of people out there that can't locate their brain. Yeah. I'm not doubting the stupidity of many people yeah, yeah. And, and who don't understand. I'm wondering if it's a language thing. I wonder if it's something like you just described. They're in the general area, yeah. but they miss it. They miss it by you know, a couple of centimeters. And Nevertheless, it's a good idea. Yeah. This is, I think that's the point yeah. of the story. Yeah. It's a good idea to know where your stuff is. So if you have a pain there, you can kind of identify what's yeah. going on. Yeah. In fact, uh, one of the pollsters said maybe we should go back to playing the uh, classic board game Operation. Operation. With a little bit more specificity. Yeah. And finally, from Huffington Post, newly elected serial liar and con man, Representative George Santos, a Republican from New York, who among his many lies claimed his mother died as a result of 9-11, when she didn't, claimed that he was a volleyball star at Baruch College and graduated with degrees in economics and finance in 2010, which he wasn't and didn't. He didn't even attend the college. Who claimed he was an employee at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup when he wasn't. Santos attended his first meeting of the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Science, Space, and Technology, which he was appointed to, even though he has no experience, real or imaginary, in science, space, or technology. There he was greeted by Representative Bill Foster, a Democrat from Illinois and former physicist. As the only recipient of the Wilson Prize for High Energy Particle Accelerator Physics serving in Congress, it can get lonely. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, Foster stated. I'm thrilled to be joined on the Science Committee by my Republican colleague, Dr. George Santos, <laughs> winner of not only the Nobel Prize, but also the Fields Medal, the top prize in mathematics, for his groundbreaking work with imaginary numbers. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.